Welcome back to episode 49 of Establish the Collection. I am your host, Cody Main, joined as always by Gary Hartman. Gary, fresh off of a debut appearance somehow of the ETR MBA podcast where you and Gallagher talked NBA collectibles. That was a fantastic show. Uh, Gary, how's it going, buddy? Are you ready to talk more cards today? Yeah, it was fun. Gallagher and I recorded yesterday. Um, you know, I think our team over on the NBA side is really trying to make a commitment to keep the pod going like twice a week still during the offseason. So looking for some fun topics and, you know, what better offseason topic than talking collectibles and cards. So, you know, Mike, we had him on uh, a little over a year ago, probably uh, for NBA card talk. And, you know, he is not invested in that in those streets, but he provides great insights from an analysis standpoint that we can kind of take away. So we had a fun conversation with me kind of, you know, filling him in on the current status of sports cards. We talked mostly uh, about the most recent rookie class with the the new releases with Prism and National Treasures and, you know, Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley guys. Uh, so, you know, if you want a real in-depth talk, we spoke for about 45-ish minutes. Go over to the Established Run NBA pod and you'll get uh, what you usually hear from Cody and myself as far as, you know, details of of the current card market over there. And we had a, we had a fun chat. Yeah, I don't think anyone better to talk to about, you know, actual basketball analysis than than Gallagher and, and yourself, obviously. Uh, also kind of gave like a good one-on-one primer, which you and I haven't done uh, enough lately, I think. And a lot of evergreen stuff that you and Gallagher talked about at the beginning. If you guys uh, are just finding out about Established Collection, go check, go check out that uh, beginning of that podcast where Gary mentioned some notes on just getting your, your feet wet in the card market with NBA specifics as well. So really good resource there if you guys want to check it out. As far as today's show, we're going to kind of go around the horn here today since, you know, when you got back from from the honeymoon, we we kind of just dove right into a best ball draft. We kind of hit some news uh, and notes off the front, but I feel like we've got a lot to catch up on and probably too much for one episode. So uh, I, I think we better dig in and I think there'll be more for us to talk about next week as well for whatever we miss today. But I think since it's top of mind, since I just listened to the podcast, since you guys just recorded the podcast, why don't we start with the NBA card market? We've Since we last talked, we, I mean, we've seen Prism come out. We saw National Tre- Treasures just released. In fact, I think National Treasure just came out last week. So this is very uh, topical, very top of mind right now. What are the things uh, that you've got your eye on as far as the basketball card market right now? Uh, yeah. So anyway, the two biggest releases of the year, in my opinion, coming in. So it's really interesting to both monitor, I think, box prices, case prices, break prices, as well as just overall individual sales. Uh, you know, we don't have to kind of get into depth about what to be attacking as these things come out. We've spoken about that stuff ad nauseum, you know, selling off the base early, uh, perhaps scooping up some of the colored refractors as they hit the streets before they become more rare uh, is kind of a uh, approach that I like to take. But, you know, certainly been a lot of hype around this class because it's it's such an awesome class. I mean, Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley um, and Jalen Green, but obviously also there's there's Josh Giddy and even some of the guys uh, further down the board that have some excitement like Moses Moody and, and uh, Kaminga and, you know, all these guys are, are, are super exciting. So, you know, really interesting to to check out um you know and you know glad to see that we finally got product coming out for these guys now uh, a month or so you know six weeks after the nba finals is over any immediate takeaways just on design kind of more more macro uh design appearance uh parallel checklist as a whole anything that really stood out to you good or bad that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think let's talk about the National Treasure side because for for Prism, we kind of knew what these design was going to look like, mostly yeah. because through both the NFTs that have been out now for a year, 
um, yeah. and you know the football side of things as well. So uh, I think Prism looks really good this year. I, I think it's a, a sleek design, one of my favorites in years. But I think National Treasures is way more interesting to talk about because, um, first of all, they have a couple new uh, rookie patch autograph parallels. There's actually more true vertical parallels in this year. So you have a better chance of hitting a vertical RPA this year. Um, you, they have not usually done that. Usually they just had the out of 99s and then the golds and the emeralds uh, out of 10s and, and out of 5s, things like that. Uh, sometimes out of a jersey number for, and then you know you the first off the line parallels. But this year, because of the 75th anniversary for the NBA, they they released an out of 75 for every RPA for for major rookies, which is one thing. And then also um, the logo men look so sick with the 75th uh, anniversary mm-hmm. patch. So I think from an aesthetic standpoint, National Treasures looks maybe as good as ever, uh, which you know I think creates some exciting hype for a really fun rookie class. So. Did we get a sneak peek of those a while ago? I feel like yeah. I remember seeing one of uh, the Cade logo man that had the 75th, or maybe it was maybe it was Jalen Green. It was one of those guys I feel like that had that 75th emblem uh, on the logo man that looked really really sleek. Yep. Yeah, when they first released images for the cards, it was that Cade one that was going around. And yeah, now you're seeing almost all the rookie logo men, whether it's the out of fives for the rookies, just without an autograph, or the, you know, logo man uh, patch auto, uh, are that 75th diamond looking one. And it is so cool. I mean, it really is so cool. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. I, you know, when the, when the card, when the uh, actual design on the card matches the price of the product, uh, it makes it so much more worth it when you, when you hit one of those. Speaking of, speaking of prices, uh, I didn't pull up any national treasures prices i know you've got some of that in front of you it looks like prism hobby boxes were going for right around 950 last i had looked off of peaks right around 1300 kind of similar dip for first off the line boxes that have settled in around 1700 that are yeah. off peaks north of 2000 any takes on on pricing right now yeah so i'm I, i'm seeing the same 950 960 price on a website called tcg stadium if you google uh that's a great price this we're recording this a tuesday at three i mean if you have the bankroll i think that's a place you're going to want to go snag i think these will settle in around 12 1300 which is kind of what they're at in blowout and steel city um which is about six hundred dollars less right now than the 2020 lamello class is going for obviously way more of that has been ripped there's there's less overall circulation uh for those but i'm more bullish on this class as a whole as i was that one i mean obviously the top end with lamello and edwards is really really strong but i am more bullish on this whole class so you know the fact that right now it's a good five six hundred under you know those those boxes i think is an okay price and you know a lot of that's going to be indicative of the market being down as a whole but this is one of the few products um that I'm always comfortable sitting on as an investment wax, a wax product. And right now specifically, uh, you know, if you're able to scoop up a handful of these for under a thousand dollars, and that's something that you can afford to do, I think that's a really safe place to put your money right now. Uh, you could, I'm guessing in a year, you'll be able to flip these for closer to what that 2020 box is right now, 16, $1,700. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the prism's in a good, decent place price-wise right now. I mean, it's all relative, right? It's all, all this stuff so expensive. Right, but, right. You know, yeah. I, I feel like that's one thing that you're you're batting a thousand on, though. It was the same situation with the F1 boxes when you were scooping those up early. You got me involved in in going and picking up boxes that some of which that I flipped as well. So, uh, you know, if Gary mentions a price is is a little undervalued in terms of sealed wax, it might be a decent time to to scoop. There's a another sealed wax product that we'll get to here at the end of the show that uh, that I think is is very undervalued right now as well. Uh, any any national treasures takes as you're getting data pulled up there? 
Yeah, NT is wild. I mean, those are going for around $5,000 a box right now. So you're looking uh, at $20,000 a case, a little less than what we've seen in recent years. Again, like I think just in general, I think I think the release prices have to come down a little bit to speak to the status of the economy. So, um, you know, for a really fun rookie class, that's another interesting place to be. Still, for most people, though, you're looking at breaks as options for for that. Uh, just some interesting sales data in general there. I mean, Scotty Barnes looks to be a uh redemption for his rpas mm. in national treasures but i mean uh, for, for just the redemption yesterday one sold for fifteen thousand dollars uh wow. a, a, yep for his true out of 99 just his true vertical rpa yeah his a gold redemption so out of 10 sold for thirty thousand dollars so the hype is there i'm seeing the cade cunningham's out of 99 go for anywhere between 15 and twenty thousand. uh you know live uh evan mobley is going for around uh 10 to 15 live so uh, I know his first off the line uh, out of eight uh, went for 18,000. So Scotty Barnes clearly, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this on the pod with Mike, but Scotty Barnes, who did take that Rookie of the Year award from Evan Mobley, mixed with the fact that I think, you know, we've always talked about the big men problem in the hobby. Looks like Barnes is maybe the second most hyped guy right now in this whole class after Cade. So it's something to keep in mind. Jalen Green also, you know, really uh, high-end stuff. People are... Uh, paying top dollar for some of his stuff, even his just horizontal uh, material jersey autographs out of antique, still going for like three grand. That's not even the true one. So you know the prices are high on the on the top guys, and uh, I think it can, would continue to to uh, to be that way. Pl plenty more rookie talk from this class on the ETR NBA pod that you just recorded with Gallagher. But I, real quick, because I I don't feel like I put you on the spot and use your analysis on this stuff nearly as much as I should for for myself and for our listeners. We've talked Cade, we've talked Mobley, we've talked Scotty Barnes, Jalen Green, even Josh Giddy, Jalen Suggs, plenty. Any like super uh, under the radar, off the radar, underrated type of names that you could see taking a, uh, a leap in a few years that like, hey, snap by it now and hold on to it. And when this guy breaks out uh, in his sophomore junior season, this is this is the time to sell any of those super under the radar names. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, there definitely can be. Uh for me, as you go down the line there, like Trey Mann on the Thunder, I think is interesting. We saw him kind of have, uh, you know, real success, put up real numbers once they benched everyone last year. But I think, you know, Kim kind of being the the, the two guard on that team, possibly the two guard, uh, you know, of the future playing in between Giddy and SGA there. I've seen him have some big sales already, but I think that's the kind of guy that has the upside from a flash potential to maybe reach another tier. Um, I like the guys that also that that uh, Mike and I were talking about on the pod, the Moses Moody, Quentin Grimes tier, I think is interesting, depending on what those kind of prices are sitting at. You know, it's, it's always tough when you're looking at kind of more role players, but I think with wings these days, you just never know when somebody might be able to kind of uh, you know, snap into a, you know, pure just scorer type uh, for, for any given team. Moody is a guy that uh, I think will be firmly in the rotation for Golden State next year if they make another run. So, I mean, that's somebody that's kind of end of end of the round. And then, you know, you got Cam Thomas on the Nets, another really a, a electric scorer. Um, you know, who the hell knows what's going to happen with that Nets team. So, you know, it's someone that might be able to be thrust up into a large role pretty quickly. I mean, just dominated summer league again. He's somebody that kind of scored 30 points with his eyes closed. Um, and then one other name I'll give you, I, I you know, I, I always hesitate a little bit about big men, but you know, we love El, El Perrin Shingun over here. Yep. Uh, love the goon, uh, you know, and that Rockets team is, is exciting for, for this upcoming year. You know, I'm not saying he's ever going to be Jokic, but he is a kind of guy that has a, a, you know, incredible vision on the court, really good passing. So maybe someone that can, you know, obviously his ceiling won't be the same as, you know, a wing or a guard, but I think can definitely have a nice little card market for a big, uh, at some point down the line.
lots of good names to keep our keep our eyes out for. I like the I like the Cam Thomas shout. Who knows yeah. what is going in, going to go on with that Nets team over the, the, over the course of the next few months, really. Uh, and I think a perfect transition to kind of what we want to get into and what we missed over the last couple of weeks while you were away, the NBA offseason rumor mill. I mean, we got some good news, nuggets, I guess, if you will, over the last couple of days here. We got a trade offer that emerged for KD from Boston that would have included Jalen Brown. Uh, that was reportedly denied seems like the Raptors and heat are still seemingly engaged I think this is kind of the biggest NBA offseason storyline still uh, biggest shoe to drop maybe not the biggest for the hobby um, because we kind of know what 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 it is with with KD unless some of these big younger names get moved around that could shake things up for their markets but anything to anything to add on uh, what's going on with Kevin Durant the Nets and, and maybe Boston getting involved yeah, the Boston stuff yesterday was was really interesting. Obviously, you know, if that were to come to fruition, um, you know, it'd be interesting both from Jalen Brown and Kevin Durant's side. But no, I mean, I just think Durant in general is a good time to buy if you can do it. I mean, this stuff has been going down for a while. I think people are a little fed up. But at the end of the day, he's still a top 12 to 15 player of all time. Um, and, you know, it's when, you know, the second that that trade request came in mixed with the fact that the market was down, I think really kind of started sending his stuff uh, going the, the 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 way you wouldn't want to see it go. Uh, his tops chrome, you know, down fifty one percent over the last six months. Just the PSA ten. Uh, that card's thirteen hundred dollars right now. Uh, that's kind of crazy. I, I feel like a year ago uh, it was probably closer to six grand. Um, yeah, it was. I guess about September twenty one. It was fifty five hundred dollars. So um, <laughs> we're down to thirteen hundred dollars. Thirteen hundred dollars, and it's a pop. It's only a pop of slightly over a thousand. So it's not like this is like a super oh, highly circulated card, you know. Um, Sixty three percent decrease over the last year. Uh, another thirteen percent just over the last two weeks. So I think people are really fed up with KT. Um, yeah. aren't really interested in in. Yeah, he's such an interesting legacy from a top 15 player of all time. If, the, if in fact, he does go to another team this year, we've never seen something like this. I mean, LeBron's gone around, but, you know, he's always been passed out very, uh, you know. Much more methodical with LeBron yeah. than and with like, KD. It's just so, it's he's never been able to kind of sit, st stamp down, you know, garner the love of the people since OKC. And, you know, he rubs people the wrong way on social media. All that said, like, if you're looking at this for long, long-term investment, I think it'll be totally fine once he's retired. I just yeah. don't know... And I don't know how much more room this has to fall. I think if like if he went to Boston, for example, um, I think that it would immediately take a quick little jump. You know, just um, the the amount in which Boston would then be the title favorite would be really yeah. really high. So you know, I think and and the bigger market, him going to one of the all time great franchises, it's just like I think you would see a little little bump if he goes to Phoenix. You know, I don't necessarily know if it was, if it would, maybe a little bit just from the, you know, we've talked about this before too, trades just driving market increase in general. So maybe a little bit, but I think Boston would be the biggest outcome for his immediate card increases, where if, if he just goes back to Brooklyn, um, I think until he gets back on the floor and starts playing the MVP level that we saw last year, uh, you'll have time to kind of jump into this market for a little bit here. So that's pretty wild. You know. Using using Jalen uh, Brown as kind of a proxy, is there any name that could be involved in this trade that could like drastically see their stock rise based off of of the trade? Like, does Jalen Brown's card market go nuts if he gets traded to the Nets for KD? Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I almost think I, I can make an argument one way or the other, right? You can make an argument he's leaving the title contender, yeah. uh, leaving, uh, you know, the bigger, the more popular franchise. Uh, and for, for that reason, it would go down. And then you can make the argument, okay, he's going to New York City. Uh, he'll be able to actually be the number one option. Let's see what happens with Kyrie. But he, either way, I think he'd be, be the number one option. He's going to just be entering his prime uh, out of Jason Tatum's shadow. So you can make, the, make all those arguments that he would, you know, go up. So I think actually what would end up happening is he'd stay pretty stagnant, is my guess. Uh, I think it would kind of fall right in the, in the middle. You know, all these names throughout these, you know, different trade rumors that I could see, you know, just to kind of put a bow on NBA here, that I could kind of see you know taking increases would be you know Durant if he goes to Boston I think Donovan Mitchell if he goes to New York would would see an increase for sure and then you know I think that the guys that could be impacted in some of these peripheral trades you know could certainly uh, you know, see their markets move one way or the other. You know, Miles Turner to the Lakers, I think, would be helpful for someone like him. He, obviously, his entry point is low. Uh, I think that the guys, the young guys going back from the Knicks, I think it would hurt them a little bit. You know, they go play in basically no man's land in Utah for a little bit here. Um, so, you know, it's, I don't think we're, despite these being some of the biggest trades that we might see in NBA history, I don't necessarily think that it's going to be impacted too much on anyone around the thing. I think Durant's the biggest possibility of, uh, you know, major movement, depending on where he goes. You know, and Mitchell was a guy, Donovan Mitchell was a guy that we've talked about quite a bit as somebody who had been undervalued, someone that we viewed as undervalued in that, you know, I think if you're trying at this point, if you think you're being sneaky with purchasing up Donovan Mitchell uh, right now, I think you may have missed that window. His stuff is already up pretty big over the last 30 days, up 55%, his, his silver PSA 10 that has a pop count of just 569 up to $550. Happy so to see that. I, I think if if you see that trade get announced, which I mean, the rumors are everywhere. You probably know better than I do as a, as a Knicks guy. Uh, I think once you see that trade get announced, it'll go up a little bit again. Um, but like it's, it's, it's buy the rumor, sell the news type situation at this point. And it's already up 55%. It's probably a little bit too late if you're, if you're wanting to catch that wave. Yeah, I'm happy to see it back up because if you recall, I bought that card around $640. So I'm down, obviously, uh, but now only like 90 ish dollars. So it's not as bad as it <laughs> as it was. Um, you know, I did. I, did, I couldn't have seen the market or the whole economy going the way it was going when I did buy that card, which was back in, uh, I believe, middle of February. Uh, I have it listed here on card letter. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously. But, you know, I, I identified it as such. Obviously, you know, we'll see what happens where he goes. I think no matter what, he's played his last game with Utah. I don't think – I think they make a move no matter what before uh, opening night, whether it's the Knicks or otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, the Jazz are going to be in no man's land here for a while. And, you know, it's such a small market to begin with. I, I just – it's hard for me to get excited about any of the pieces that would maybe go back to Utah. Um in the time being, but yeah, I'd be excited about Mitchell. And I think we should actually just take this chance to talk quickly about the Wolves and the Gobert trade that they made, which we never really spoke about on the pod. Obviously the price was ridiculous and I have zero interest in Rudy Gobert cards in general. He's not a popular player and he's a, a true old school center. So not someone that you're interested in, but I do think it's interesting for Edwards and Towns um, who from a regular season standpoint will be greatly benefited, especially Towns who has had some of his best uh, time playing alongside rim protecting bigs. Uh, you know, if he's going to really just be able to focus on uh, not necessarily protecting the rim and, you know, just dominating on the offensive side where Edwards also uh, would really benefit from having both kind of a lob threat, you know, not that Gobert is any kind of great offensive player, but having a lob threat and having that defensive stalwart as well. I think both those guys and the Wolves in general next year are going to be really, really high-end regular season team. So just something to keep in mind if you're investors in those two players. All right. Anything else we need to hit on on NBA before we move on to sport number two of our Around the Horn today? 
Yeah, I don't think so. Again, you'll get you get a lot more in-depth uh, talk on the pod with Mike and I on the Establisher on NBA pod. Um, but, you know, in general, I just think that we'll be ready to talk about this stuff throughout the offseason. Obviously, NBA isn't going anywhere. And again, the whole market's down. Like, keep take a look at card ladder indexes. Take a look at some guys like Kevin Durant, some all-time greats that you might be able to scoop up right now. I have no problem buying dips right now. I'm not going to pinpoint exactly where the bottom is here. Um, and, you know, there is a chance we're going into a legitimate recession as a nation. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, you know, again, I, we're not going to talk uh, true economics on, on this pod. But, you know, you're going to have some real chances during the offseason for for some, some uh, you know, buying. So have no issues if that's the route you want to take. Yeah, could not have said so better myself. And now, especially as football starts to heat up too, we're, we're in training camp season, best shape of his life season right now. And, and football is going to get underway here uh, shortly with the preseason kicking off uh, in, in one short week. So yeah, it's it's the focus is certainly going to shift away from the NBA and, and focus in on, on NFL as we round into form here. But it's almost disrespectful, I think, at this point, how little we've talked about baseball uh macro micro yankees your al only fantasy football fantasy baseball team like we haven't talked any baseball i feel like on this podcast recently and that's a bit disrespectful for america's pastime a bit disrespectful for your yankees uh which i know you're excited to talk about and one aaron judge uh, take it wherever you want to go because you're the baseball expert here if you want to start more macro with kind of where the market is or if there's something uh, a storyline as we head into the second half of the season that you want to hit on, I'll let you kind of uh, steer the ship here for us. Yeah, um, I am really excited about the Yankees. And I've been, you know, I, I always am like this low-key every every summer, especially I've watched pretty much every every inning of every game uh, for, for the Yankees. I've always been that way. Uh, but this season's been really exciting. I'm actually going, Subway Series starts tonight, Yankees-Mets mm-hmm. in Queens. I'm going to the game tonight in uh, an enemy territory in City Field. And <laughs> it's been a very long time since both the Mets and the Yankees have been in first place and two of the top five teams in the league. Uh, so really going to be a great electric environment uh, for the next three days in Queens. So really pumped for this, um, you know, this, this series now tonight, but yeah, I mean, you know, Yankees in general, uh, it's a really interesting time, not only because of how good they've been this season and Aaron judges, I mean, historic start to the season. He's got a real chance at 60 home runs. The guy's got 37 home runs at the end of July. I mean, it's kind of crazy, uh, but also Derek Jeter's, you know, uh, Last Dance type documentary is in the midst of airing right now. The Captain on ESPN is going to be a five or six part series. Uh, you know, pretty fun if you're a Yankee fan. I've really enjoyed the first two episodes, but it's clearly impacted his market as well. So really just interesting time for the Yanks overall. But, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the Derek Jeter stuff, you brought this up in Slack and I was shocked to, to learn some of the prices. Uh, I know a good friend of the show, um, Steve Popo on uh, App Popo on Twitter had purchased uh, one of those SP, Derek Jeter, 1993 SP in, in BGS 9.5. And I think he purchased around 15K uh, and had really good subgrades on it as well. And I know that that thing dipped massive. It was down to 8,300 uh, first part of July. We just saw a recent sale of that card last sold for 21.6. Yeah. If I'm looking at card ladder correctly. So it's clear that, you last know, and this week. is the same thing that happened with Michael Jordan, which, you know, the last dance, which really kicked off kind of this big card boom that that got us all involved back in the hobby. Um, But it's amazing to see these type of docu-series uh, prop up these retired athletes, these all-time greats, and no different for for Derek Jeter. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I also wouldn't be surprised, we didn't talk about this in Slack, just but the same way we saw Scottie Pippen's market increase, we Mm -hmm. saw Steve Kerr card start to sell a little bit. They're kind of presenting it in a similar way with the 96, 98, 99, 2000 teams where you're getting to know 
you know, Bernie Williams and Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit. And obviously those other guys, Tino, Bernie, uh, you know, uh, and Pettit, those aren't guys that are necessarily going to have markets, but someone that is an all-time great is Mariano Rivera would not be surprised to see his stuff increase over the next month as this documentary continues to air as well. So just something to keep in mind too. But yeah, I mean, the Jeter stuff, that SP card is so cool, man. It's a, it's a grail card for me. I've had opportunities to buy it in lower grades and maybe I will just for a PC uh, thing one, you know, one day down the line, but I've always wanted it either in a nine, five or a 10. And, you know, to see it kind of jump like this is really, really crazy. And, you know, you're going to see it with some of the tops, you know, rookie cards as well. Obviously he's like right before, uh, right after the major, major junk wax era with Ket, with Griffey. So a lot of those things are, uh, you know, pretty, uh, highly circulated, but that's what's so great about that SP foil card. It's a prospect card. It is, uh, you know, considered basically like his version of a Bowman and it's low pop pretty much on all the high end uh, stuff because it's a really hard grade. It's a legitimate like foil type material on the front. So really, really hard grade in that 93 SP. You know, his 93 tops 92 uh, card in general, which is kind of his draft pick card, uh, looks like it's pretty stagnant. It's actually down a tiny bit over the past two weeks because I think that's just a lot of people throwing it up on eBay uh, mm-hmm. as, you know, trying to capitalize on it. It's down like 5%, but that's a pop of 3,000 compared to the pops of that SP foil. So yeah, I think the really high-end Jeter stuff you're going to see increase. And I have a couple one-on-one Jeter autos from like Topps Archives and things like that that I've thought about making some moves on. I mean, I never thought I would sell Derek Jeter in general. I feel like those are kind of cards I would just give to my future son one day, hopefully. Uh, but man, I have two of them. I think maybe maybe making the, you know, trying to capitalize on the hype right now makes some sense. That's such an interesting, interesting decision to have to make when it is yeah. a, it is a PC. It's a, a, you know, a player that obviously you grew up on, uh, I would imagine. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's, what, what, what does the Delta have to be in price change for you to be like, oh, okay, now it's probably time to put it up on eBay. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a great point. I think it's one of those things that maybe I'd be like, put it up really, really high by it now and just let mm-hmm. offers come in. And if I'm blown away by something, um, you know, or even just kind of market it on my Instagram and, and say like, hey, listening to offers. I don't know exactly what the number is, especially on like one-on-one type of cards like that, uh, on-card autograph one-on-ones. Um, you know, it's not the highest end card because it's like Topps Archive, but it's still a pretty damn cool, cool card. So I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to really just kind of let the offers come in and I probably still would be very hesitant to, to make, the, make the move. Yeah. All right. We'll tr- transition here from from an all time great to some of these young guys that are really kind of stealing the the current spotlight as we head into the second half of the season. And speaking of highly circulated cards, uh, Julio Rodriguez, J Rod, trying to do all he can uh, with his Mariners to snap this twenty one year playoff drought. His cards have been a big time. Obviously, some of that coming off the heels uh, of the home run derby stuff. But sixty nine, a very nice sixty nine percent on just his prospects Chrome base card in a PSA ten. Uh, over the last 30 days. So we're seeing some pretty decent movement in the MLB market for some of these young bucks. Any takes on J-Rod or any of these other uh, young guys that are really making it move in the market? Yeah, it's all of J-Rod's Bowman stuff. His base Chrome Auto also up 25% over the last month. That's a $2,300 PSA 10 card. I mean, for the Chrome, remember, we don't know how many of those are in circulation. Like we, like that's not even, the (laughs) the refractors are out of 499. Like I get that they have these dudes sign a ton of on-card autos and and there's a lot of value in the on-card first Bowman, but for a $2,500 card, that's high for this kind of, and but we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago after the Omar Derby. Like I'm really encouraged about who he is. So if I'm his, if I'm holding this stuff, I have no problem taking the profits off the table. But he's one of the few guys that um, I would also be comfortable holding uh, it, it, and feeling comfortable about what his career arc is looking like. Um, 
similar to, you know, a guy like Juan Soto, who's, you know, in the midst of all the, the big news right now, only 23 years old, have no problem capitalizing on the hype around the trades, uh, but also have no problem holding, um, you know, super, super fun, exciting time for, for baseball players, both the really young guys like the Rodriguez Soto types, uh, Bobby Witt's really starting to come on as well, although his market hasn't kind of lived up to what that preseason hype was going to be. Uh, but also, you know, even the the middle aged uh, superstars like Aaron Judge is closer to thirty. Uh, you know, Mike Trout is is obviously having a great season once again. Otani is uh, is just still incredibly stellar. So really encouraging to see that the baseball market in season, and this is a really encouraging sign, has been either up or or basically neutral. Um, every other market has not been that way, except we talked about vintage when we did kind of our macro pod that has stayed pretty pretty neutral or up as well. But baseball has stayed really strong, and that's, that's a good thing. I mean, we always are questioning baseball's legs from a youth standpoint, from an interest stamp, from a youth, like a youth interest standpoint, from just a general, like what is baseball gonna look like in 15 years? Are people gonna still care about these cards? And, you know, at least, uh, our, our current landscape would tell you yes. And, and that's a good thing. So. Do you think that that's something that's going to carry over to football? Do you think that's something that's unique to the sport being in season and now kind of baseball is, is center stage right now. We've got the, you know, the big news obviously with the Juan Soto trade and all these big young names in the sport, or, or do you think this is just something unique uh, to baseballers or are we going to start to see this pick back up when sports are in season? Yeah, I think, um, I think with football, it also will, will, you know, I think the hype of preseason, everything leading up to the season, like we usually see kind of these increases right before the season. And then in season with the quarterback stuff, I think the guys that are playing really well are going to, you know, see, see that indicated in the card prices as we usually do. And I think even more so though, during, you know, maybe a, a tougher economic standpoint than we were last football season, if a guy like Patrick Mahomes, like what we saw last year in the first six weeks was, you know, struggling for his standards. I think again, we might see, you know, those things dip in season with real in season buying opportunities more than you'll having in the off season, just based off pure panic that these guys are not living up to hype. You'll see it all the time, people overreacting, and especially because of all the uh, media coverage around these super these superstar quarterbacks and the the week in between each game to really overanalyze and microanalyze uh, every single you know decision that they made. If you're coming off a bad week, there's the, it's it's the the movement's going to be fast, both you know increases on huge games and decreases on bad games. So we'll talk about that in season. But yeah, I, I anticipate a lot of reaction to on-field play for football season this year, maybe even more than usual. Yeah, and it, I'm, I'm glad you noticed that in the MLB market as well, because something that I've been following more closely, the UFC, we're seeing that almost weekly with, with some of these fighters when we get big-time pay-per-views, when we get main events, when we get guys like Patty Pimblett uh, selling out the O2, O2 Arena and getting a, a rear naked choke and all this, you know, we're, we're starting to see that uh, it does seem like it's something that's not just unique to baseball, not just unique to, to football. It seems like it's something that collectors and investors are taking notice of when we see these big time performances, markets are moving. Uh, and, and to that point, talking about the UFC, uh, I don't think that uh, there's a single sport right now that might be in a better spot than the UFC is right now. And I think, you know, you got to start with Patty the Batty. Gets the round two submission of Jordan Levitt at last week's UFC fight night. That, you know, does the teabag, which was hilarious. Cliff goes viral. Um, you know, talked about all of that leading up to, uh, you know, the, the fight in the pre-fight press conferences and then tops the pre-fight pre -fight press conference, tops the performance in the octagon with just an amazing uh, emotional, heartfelt post-fight speech uh, in the octagon. He, he lost his friend earlier that day or the previous night uh, to suicide, gives a big, big um, note on mental health and, you know, really, really heartfelt message. And it's, 
you have to remember that like when we're talking about investing in these guys as athletes and investing in their cards as asset classes, you know, the biggest thing to remember is that we're trying to, you know, especially with UFC, we're character building, right? Like we're, we're building up this character that can get other people excited about this character. And I don't think anybody did more for themselves than Patty did with, with everything that led up to that fight, the antics beforehand, the performance in the cage, and then also the speech after the fact, it really was like this hero uh, archetype type of thing. Uh, and, you know, you see that play out in his card market. Now, you know, the, the pop counts on this stuff, obviously it's all, we're looking at raw data pretty much for, for Patty, but everything is up colored refractors from uh, his, his, this last year's rookie class. Everything is up right now. Patty wasn't a guy that I was really even heavily investing in because I thought he was kind of overhyped. I uh, thought that eventually in the octagon, he was going to under deliver. And that's you know something we'll talk about. I think he still has some work to do uh, in the cage, but man, awesome performance for Patty. Just, just that in and of itself is going to get the UFC hobby sparked right back up we'd kind of seen some stagnancy with uh with prices on the 2022 class hamzat's cards had kind of fallen a little bit but i think that performance from patty uh and and just the the insane amount of awesome cards that we're seeing week in and week out now and in pay-per-view events as well i I think that that's going to drive up the market a little bit from here on yeah i want to i want to stay on patty for for a minute because just absolute superstar i I haven't Mm -hmm. seen someone kind of just grab the sport by the horn since mcgregor really uh, from a personality standpoint. And you you briefly mentioned it, but I wanted to know if this fight or just anything else you've seen has changed your opinion from last time. Like, do you still think that, like, yes, the superstardom there, the personality is obviously there, but can he be, does he have the, the talent and goods to become an actual champion? Um, I'm curious if your opinion's changed at all there. You know, the, the thing that's tough with Patty is he is not the Hamzat level fighter um yet and maybe he'll get there at some point which i guess is is the big question but i think the fans are ready to ready to send him in that same hype trajectory where it's like hey he's got to fight gilbert burns or colby covington or kamaru usman or i'm not going to be entertained anymore you know that's where we were with hamza right like he had to take that step up in competition i think fans will want to see that from patty but i don't think patty's ready for that yet jordan levitt was definitely a step up in competition for him uh but jordan levitt is not nearly the fighter that that people are going to want to see patty fight so here's what i think the ufc will need to do in order to keep this train rolling they're going to have to be really methodical with it i think they're going to need to give him a name but not a fighter, right? Like we'll talk about Hamzat in a second. Hamzat's going to fight Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is a name, but at this point in his career, Nate Diaz is no longer a fighter. So I think they're going to have to give somebody to get fans excited, uh, probably an older fighter, probably someone well past their prime, but like casuals will still recognize as a big time fight. So uh, they're going to have to not give him the Gilbert Burns style fight that they had to give to Hamzat where Hamzat almost lost. They're going to have to be much more methodical with it. And, And maybe a name that is a few years past his prime, but still gets the casual fans excited will be, what's next for Patty. So who knows? I still have my doubts. I will say all, you know, the whole thing to say basically with Patty, if you invested fantastic, I think this is a great time to unload. I mean, the the performance was truly transcendent. I think I said it on Twitter that he, you know, absolute superstar from pre-fight to post-fight, everything, nothing could have gone better for Patty. Uh, But I, you know, there's going to be a time down the road that I think he still gets exposed. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Obviously, you know way more about this than me, and and I will I'll excuse your Nate Diaz slander, my best friend Nate Diaz. Um, I'll, ex- I'll excuse it now. Just I'm just messing. I'm excited to watch that fight because it's my best friend versus your best friend, uh, and that's really that's exciting. Right. Uh, so no, it's it's uh, I, I think 
that's what I love so much about the sport is that it's like real life WWE. Like they have to be so methodical about planning out the fights and doing this the right way and building the story and, 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 you know, keeping the legacy of, uh, you know, and, and the, honestly, like the almost mythical nature of Patty Pimblett at this point going. And it's, it's really exciting. I, I, I was really happy to see him dominate that fight and then to see the heart come out in the post speech. I mean, really becoming a, a full rounded character um in every way and and it was touching what he said as well it was um, it was and we saw we saw angry patty in, in the pre-fight press conference he was very pissed off at jordan levitt for dismissing his abilities we'd kind of just seen the antics from patty in the past but to see him you know actually upset actually ready to go out and beat someone's beat someone's ass uh for for back of a letter lack of a better term and he went out there and took care of business and uh yeah i think the just the building of the patty character is going to be great for his card market obviously we're seeing it now i think if you got in early when we were talking about buying boxes and stuff like that and you're holding on to some uh probably a good time to offload again they'll, they'll probably be, be very methodical with him and, and treat him uh with kid gloves and give him another pretty easy fight upcoming but uh, there's going to be a time he's going to get a test and and it might not end up as well for him as it did last week i gotta touch on hamzat before i let you get to f1 real quick yeah, because it's Hamzat gets Nate Diaz, man. You, this is insane. And, and based off of the odds, uh, bookmakers, uh, sports books think it is equally insane that these two are fighting. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. last I had looked, uh, Hamzat was like minus 1100, like basically a lock to win. You can give me updated odds yeah, if yeah, you want to look them up. Um, but, you know, we talked about this after the Gilbert Burns fight. It was either going to be title fights for Hamzat or main events. And he gets his main event. It's in a pay-per-view. It's UFC 279 in Las Vegas, September 10th. But it's Nate Diaz, and he's going to roll through Nate Diaz, you would think. And if not, then the hype train is totally derailed. But Nate Diaz is not the fighter that he once was. I think the, the reason that they had to book this, obviously, Nate wants out of his contract. He's on his last fight. Um, and fans will fans will tune in for this, right? Like casual fans who remember Nate Diaz from, from last year will remember that, hey, like, this was a great fighter. He's one of the best of all time in the, in the division. He's, he's a hall of famer and he's going to put on a show. And I think he will, you know, put on a show for as long as he can stand in there with, with Hamza, but it's just a different beast for him. Yeah. Um, you know, Kamara Usman was, was maybe someone that we thought would be next. Leon Edwards, maybe someone that we thought would be next Colby Covington, but, uh, Usman scheduled to fight Leon Edwards in August. Okay. I don't know the situation with Colby Covington, but those are kind of the guys that are left in the division for Hamza, uh, you know, until some of these younger guys uh, catch up to him in terms of, in terms of stature. So Nate Diaz, man, September 10th, uh, Las Vegas. I kind of want to go and, and watch my boy and, and apparently your boy. I remember this is about a year ago oh, yeah. uh, that you showed me the picture of you and Nate, yeah, you and Nate ran, together. Randomly so. met him at a, a bar and in, in, in Chelsea. Um, but yeah, he, um, it's he's up to sixteen hundred favorite in some some places. Hamzat is. Uh, I, so you said uh, Leon and Usman are are scheduled to fight. If you think if if uh, Hamzat rolls through this one, he would get the winner of that fight. Is that a logical next step for him there, or should we not even speculate that? that you know, maybe may, I I I think there's some logic to say that the only reason they couldn't they had to book this fight was to keep Hamzat active. Uh, you know, and obviously to to give Nate his wishes to to get his final fight and get out of the UFC. Um, I don't know if if Hamzat takes care of business here if it's directly to the winner of Usman or Edwards. I think he might, they might still want to see him go through Colby. 
Yeah. Uh, or if Leon loses, they might want to see him go through Leon before they give him to, to Usman, but we'll see. I, I guess the, the way I'm thinking about this from the UFC's perspective is, is Hamza going out and beating Nate Diaz as a, you know, minus 1600 favorite isn't going to do much to make him much more of a title contender than he already is. Uh, but it will, it will add to the mystique for sure. More casual fans getting involved and watching him beat up uh, Nate Diaz will be, will be great for the, the Hamza hype train. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited to, to keep tabs on this. And obviously, yeah, that's a big weekend. That's I believe that's week one NFL season as well. Uh, so, man, uh, f- fun stuff ahead in early September. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'll see if I make the trip out there. I got to convince the wife to let me go solo because, you know, good weekend to be in Vegas, man, would be, would, get to would be a great Vegas weekend. Um, real quick, I'm just going to rattle off some names because yeah. I'm going to I'm going to give you some time for for F1 talk. But, um, you know, it's not just Patty. It's not just Hamzat. At this point, there's a ton of other rookies from this 2022 prism class that continue to perform and outperform expectations. Umar Nurmagomedov, yes, that is Khabib's cousin. We talked about him. He got a win in June. Rafael Faziev gets a win over Rafael Vasonios in a main event. Uh, Jalen Turner, who is just, he's 6'3", 155 is Jalen Turner. And as long as he can stay at this weight class, he's going to be an absolute menace. Got a huge win over Brad uh, Riddell in UFC 276, Shavkat Rachmanov, who I guess would be the guy if it's not Colby, if it's not Usman, if it's not Leon Edwards, like this is probably the next guy uh, to, to go toe-to-toe with Hamzat. He's an absolute menace in the welterweight division, got a huge win over Neil Magny in June. I say all that because you talked about NBA sealed wax maybe being a buy right now. I think UFC 2022 prism is a buy right now sealed wax it's really 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 cheap and i think there's so many opportunities for these guys to pay off their price tags you can find boxes if you're sniping auctions almost under 500 dollars right wow. now i think that's a great price given all the names in this class and especially you've got kind of the chase still with patty for as long as that hype train stays stays rolling and remember this is the first uh first first autos for hamzat and islam makachev who is going to fight for uh the lightweight belt uh, against Charles Oliveira soon. So just lots of names and lots of ways to pay off your box purchase, I think, with this 2022 class. Yeah, and it's still packed with autos of legends like Nate Diaz and, yeah. uh, you know, Manny Nunez and all these great former champions that can make you back like half your box price if you hit one of those autos too. So yeah, I think the checklist is really strong. I think that's a really great call, um, you know, especially as, and you had mentioned it when this thing started, that you really like the rookie class in that class from, from top to bottom. So who knows who might still kind of shoot their way up over the next year or two um, that we're not even talking about right now. So so yeah, I like that. Like that call a lot. Yeah, cool. I think there's a handful of potential future champions in this in this right. box. Let me just say that. And if those guys reach reach full potential, uh, maybe it's Umar Nurmagomedov who's going to have the the Khabib ties for the rest of his life. Obviously, that's going to keep prices up. And then Shavkat, if, if Shavkat and Hamzat are going toe to toe for like some sort of trilogy for the belt, that's going to be huge for both of their markets, uh, obviously as well. But tons of fun names. Uh, tons of stuff that I'm keeping my eye on. I'm going to try and snipe some auctions. I'm already holding on to a few boxes that I just don't have the, uh, the gumption to, to rip through yet. I'm going to hold on to them as long as I can, but, uh, want to, want to pick up boxes whenever I can. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, let's transition then to, uh, formula one, which we have not spoken about in a while. And I am sad to report that formula one has finally caught the recession bug a little bit. Here. <sighs> uh, if you look at the index on, Card ladder in general, um, the racing index over the last 
month down about 7% total. So you're seeing it with most, no one's immune, even Max Verstappen, who's in first place here, Charles Leclerc, who's in second place uh, on the season here. Verstappen looks like he's well on his way to a second straight championship. Obviously, we're about halfway through the Formula One season. There's still about 10 races or so to go. Um, So there, there is a long way to go there, and that could change up. But I think you know, I just think we've reached a little bit of the dog days of the F1 season. I think it's we don't have the dominance from Mercedes at the top. So Lewis Hamilton, the super, absolute superstar of the sport, he has been much better over the last three or four weeks. Mercedes has. Lewis has, I think, podiumed in three or four straight races. He, he had a second-place finish uh, this past weekend in France. So, you know, definitely, you know, starting to improve a lot. And George Russell has been excellent all season. But, you know, it's not the top dominance from from Hamilton. More of these cards are now getting back into circulation, coming back from grading uh, as more tiers have opened up. So I think you're seeing things like the base and the sapphire for most of these guys, Verstappen, Leclerc, Hamilton, uh, all go down a little bit here. I think there's interesting buys. I think guys like Lando is a buy right now. McLaren is largely disappointed a lot this year, and it's really impacted his prices. Uh, if we grab Lando Norris's, uh, just PSA 10 Sapphire, for example, uh, let me grab that up right now. I know it's down uh, uh, quite a bit here. So it's actually under $200, that card right now, which is crazy. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to find the pop, uh, but, you know, 98 sales over the last six months down 50% to $195 for his PSA 10 Sapphire rookie card. I mean, those were going for four or $500 easy. Uh, as much as two or three months ago. So I think really, as long as McLaren continues to struggle, he's an interesting buy. George Russell also, I think, is similar uh, boat for him. You know, I think he's even a better buy because Mercedes is starting to figure it out. He's been in a ton of podiums all year. They're going to continue to be great. Uh, I like his rookie stuff a lot. And again, the stuff that we're seeing kind of fall off a little bit here is mostly the base and the Sapphire base. Even the uh, variations, the ones of them sitting down in the 2020 Chrome have stayed strong. And then, of course, uh, a lot of the colored refractor stuff has not fallen much at all. So, you know, again, the same theory we've always said just has now hit F1 a little bit as well. So not, not too surprising, but a lot of places to buy here. Uh, Russell's got a pop of 245 on his Sapphire-based PSA 10. That card's still $400. So it's Lando that's really kind of fallen down, but they you know still down 35% on Russell, um, you know, in his, his rookie card. But if you get his uh, variation, uh, it's still almost a $650 card. So, you know, still plenty of floor for a lot of these guys, but you are seeing, you know, a lot of these cards be in the red as well. I've been curious to ask you on the 2021 versus 2020, is there a big delta, do you feel like, in circulation on these cards? Are all, all of the colored refractors are numbered, right, for yes. this product? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the, so in the checklist is the same? The parallel checklist is the same? Uh, it's similar. They, they did release more overall uh, parallels in 2021 as it got more popular. In Sapphire, they released an out of 99, like silver. Uh, it's like a gray-looking parallel. Um or it's out of 100, I think, on the nose. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they added another color in there. Um, and, you know, so it's it's not totally, but so there's a couple more parallels. But, yeah, 2021 in general, definitely not the exact, uh, you know, same type of hype or legs that 2020 had. Again, not surprising. We look at that as kind of one of those pinnacle boxes, the 2012-type prism boxes. Also, the rookie class in 2021, not nearly as elite as having George Russell, Lando Norris, and Alex Albon all in one in 2020. So, yeah, definitely not. Uh, and and, I, and we speculated this when 2021 came out. We were excited about it, but was not uh, excited about the upside compared to 2020. And, you know, I think if you have F1, it's still a fine place to be sitting on. You're not losing crazy, crazy money. And I think there's buys on some of the major dips on guys like Lando Norris right now. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway here. And yeah, that, that circulating counts on these seem like they're pretty well kept in check. And, yeah. and that product, uh, just like was the case with the 2021 uh, UFC being the first uh, uh, from Prism, this one being the first from Tops, being the first of some of these guys like Lewis and, and Max Verstappen and some of the rookies that they had in that class, similar with uh, Hamzat and being the first cards for for him as well. You see these things hold on to their value a little bit longer than than maybe even they should. So yeah. um, it sounds like if you're keeping your eye on the F1 market, it sounds like it's best to look at uh, last year's class as opposed to the one with uh, Mix Schumacher and Yuki Tsunoda and those guys, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. And like, it's not to say that there isn't exciting 2021 product. Obviously, the high end mix stuff is going to be good. Any kind of autographs of Max and Lewis, either in Dynasty or Tops, are still going to be strong. And if you get really low parallels, even of second years, Russells and things like that, it's a great card to have. Don't get me wrong, but nothing's going to reach these 2020s. I mean, a lot of these pops, even in the PSA numbers, are under 200 for like across the board for like whatever you're looking at. Um, you know, and it's like Max Verstappen's base Sapphire PSA 10 is still a $650 card. It's not like it's a, right. you know, fallen to a $200, $100 card. And that's with it being down 27% over the last six months uh, and, you know, 11% or so over the last month. So, you know, I, I think. And so he's another guy, though, if he continues to cruise and Red Bull does go on to, you know, bring a championship home for for stopping. I think once this race picks up towards the end, let's hope that it's a little bit close between Ferrari and and Red Bull and maybe Mercedes continues to get back in the ring. I think, you know, when we get down to the last five or six races or so, I think there'll be a little bit more excitement around there. But I think we've reached a little bit of a lull in the season, uh, a little bit of kind of a max for stop and starting to run away with the season a little bit here. And I think people are kind of just eh. Formula One's happening. Nothing too exciting going on at the moment. I will say as a very, very, very casual fan, anecdotally, it kind of feels that way too. Just yeah. following along on Twitter for all of, you know, all of our DFS friends that are playing F1 DFS as well. It seems like it's kind of the, the hype has kind of uh, slowed down a little bit. Yeah, we certainly don't have the Lewis Max uh, epic all-time great mm -hmm. season race that we had last year. I, I'm not counting out Ferrari and Charles Leclerc altogether, though, yet. Uh, you know, they 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 shoot they seem to shoot themselves in the foot so much. And I also think Mercedes is really figuring out they're right up there with pace now. I think Russell and Hamilton will continue to be a great pairing who are who are coming in top fives throughout the season. So, you know, I think there's stuff to watch here, but um, I don't know if we're going to have an epic conclusion to this season as we did last year. So I think that impacts the upside here. I'm pretty proud of uh, of the two of us for getting through every topic we wanted to touch on today, getting getting the people caught up on on everything that's happened uh, in the sports world that has impacted the hobby over the last couple of weeks since we've been away, uh, since we came back and just did best ball and kind of ignored uh, ignored a large portion of the card market, yeah. if you will, while we were focusing on drafting a, a million dollar team or two million dollar team, yes, sir. Uh, if you will. But uh, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here today? Yeah, national. So national oh, right. national car convention starts tomorrow in Atlantic City. Let me know if anyone's going to be there that listens to the show. Please let me know. I think I'm unfortunately not going down for the full week. It's it's a long convention. It goes from Wednesday to Sunday. Tomorrow's technically the sneak peek, but you know it's 460,000 square feet of tables in the Atlantic City Convention Center. It's going to be absolutely massive as it is every year. Um, it's right in my backyard. I'm going to be driving down. I think I'm going to drive down tomorrow. Uh, for the day. And I think I'm going to drive down on Friday. And if I get enough business done in those two days, I don't know if I'll be going back, but there's a chance I go back Sunday as well. So I might be there every other day uh, for the convention here. Uh, you know, not a quick drive from New York City, but also not too far either. So, you know, really excited to maybe meet some of you down there. Please let me know again, if you're going to be there, I'm going to get some business done, hopefully make some sales. I'll report back on what everything was like over there. Maybe I'll post some stuff on the ETC Twitter, uh, Instagram page, if anything's really exciting or unique going on over there, but certainly should have a lot to report back. And I just will say, we often see this with the national, it impacts cards.
hard data a lot. I mean, a perfect example is last year. Remember that purple Lewis Hamilton that I had? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was getting offers around 12, 11, 12, 13,000 before the national. And I think there was a couple big sales right between 15 and 20 of that exact card at the national. And the second people get back from the national, I get offers for that 18,000 or whatever I had sold it for on the nose ready, you know, and so you see high end markets specifically reestablish themselves in amounts of certain cards when there's the right buyer around there. So you know, we'll see. It'll be very interesting to see what the hype is around the national. Last year, I think it was Formula One for sure. Uh, I'm curious to see if it's going to be baseball, as baseball is really exciting right now. Uh, will it be Formula One? You know, will it just be kind of in general vintage? Because vintage is, is the one thing that stayed, uh, you know, really uh, stagnant over this economic downturn. So I think it'll be very interesting to see the trends. I'll report back on all of that next week. You didn't get to go last year, is that right? No, I did not get to go. Um, you know, they, they move around. Last year was in Chicago, but I had some conflicts. Obviously, I would, this is something I would fly out for. But the, given that it's in New Jersey this year, it's very helpful for me. Really excited to uh, to check it out. And you're you're going to be there like full blown business nine to five, Gary. Right? You're you're not there to joke around and have fun. You're there to like get shit done, right? Yeah. Obviously, I don't have a table or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, something I thought about doing in the past, and maybe in the future I will. But because I knew I wasn't going to be able to go for, uh, we're babysitting my nephew on Saturday. On Friday, we have uh, plans with with uh, Thursday. Sorry, we have plans with my wife's family. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to go and stay down there for the full five days. So it wasn't worth me going through the hassle of trying to set up an actual display. But uh, I am going to go around with one of my like card suitcases and. Get try to get some business on, make some sales, possibly some purchases, but I'm, I'm mostly in selling mode as I was telling Cody off air, trying to steam up bankroll for uh, football <laughs> season here. So mostly in, in selling mode. Uh, and yeah, I'm trying to get some business done, negotiating with some people already uh, that are going to be there over Instagram for certain cards. And uh, yeah, I mean, certainly hit me up if you are going to be going, if you're interested in, in doing any business, I will be down there. All right. We'll get out of here on this. Any, any, I hate to put you on the spot, but like any quick uh, macro or micro tips for people that are heading to the national, if you're buying or selling any tips that they need to know before they go to maximize their expected value. Yeah. If you, if you come across a table that someone's just being an asshole, go to the next one. There's, there, there's not enough, uh, it's, it's, there's too many good people in this hobby to deal with the asshole. So if you go to come across one of those people that don't give me, don't, don't give me comps. Like, I don't want to hear about the comp price. This is my price. Like F you move up, move along. Like we have comps for all these types of things. There's, there's no reason to deal with, with a-holes. Don't lose your leverage because you get intimidated or anything like that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of negotiations going on. Um, you know, it's okay to hold your ground, but you know, I, I think just be kind, treat, treat each other kindly. And I think there'll be a lot of good, uh, relationships, networking and business that gets done. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it could be overwhelming, especially if it's your first time going to one of these types of things. So I would just say, you know, take a deep breath, walk around, get your bearings and, you know, don't be bullied into doing anything you don't want to do. So, yeah. Great way to leave the show. That was fantastic. Don't deal with a-holes. I love it. Good advice in, in all walks of life, but especially at card conventions. Gary, ton of fun this week. Have fun at the National. Can't wait to hear your report back next week. We will be back with, uh, with all of Gary's takeaways from the National and everything else going on in the hobby uh, next week. So catch us at Establish the Collection. Uh, check us out on YouTube as well if you have not done so yet already, but we'll get out of here on that. For Gary, I'm Cody. I'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody.